the Let's Go Racing Family Podcast, sharing our love through NASCAR, running, and just racing through life. Hosted by Sebastian, Giovanni, Karen, Tony, and me, Johan. Each week, we'll talk about our view of the world through the lens of racing. Welcome back, Let's Go Racing family, to another episode. We're back after a week break that we wanted to take off. Just, you know, give us time to refresh. So this week, we're going to be talking about the Road of America race and as well as the Atlanta race, which were two pretty interesting races. Definitely a lot of fun. And we're also going to be updating on our NASCAR news as well as making race picks for the upcoming race. So to start things off, we go to the most American track you could have done for the 4th of July, Road America. The jockey made in America 250. Jeez, they are really um, milking this America idea. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a good thing, right? We love America. We're very happy to celebrate Independence Day. There was a bunch of campers with American stuff. Yeah, I will say the one thing that seemed a little bit interesting about the track was the fact that there weren't a lot of set seats i i feel like from what we were seeing in the uh in the intros and stuff you could kind of roam and find a spot and then make it your area and so a lot of places where there was uh where there was shade tended to have fans and then obviously in in certain turns i think the only like stands i actually had was the front stretch and then like probably a couple more turns and then like i remember watching erica step it was a video and then like he said that like like you like some of the fans that were parked their tra- uh, their their um RVs were very close to the racetrack. And then when he was walking, like there it was just like this small wall and then you could just see the racetrack and the cars going by. Well, two things I thought were pretty cool. One, the race was actually on the 4th of July. Pretty neat way to spend 4th of July for those who were actually there and then of course, you know, us who watched on TV. And also the fact that they added a uh an, or that this was another uh road course which is really cool because it kind of breaks up the you know normal like ovals that we see you know regularly every week so that was pretty fun honestly Juan Pablo Montoya and uh Marcos Ambrose are probably just like why did we retire because now like they're good road course races now you got all of these road courses this one was a was a pretty interesting one. So so let's talk about that. What was the most interesting thing about this track that was unique? It is a four-mile track. It's actually the longest track so far, which overtook Coda because that one was three point what thirty-six. And yeah, it was now over this three miles. This one's over four, four miles, which yeah. is absolutely crazy. That's why it only had like sixty-seven laps. Seventy. It was a really short race in lap length. I think for me, well. I kind of got two things. The first one is that the track kind of looks like someone flexing their arms. And the second thing that was interesting to me was how much elevation there was. Like going uphill, going downhill, making turns. It definitely felt like a different kind of track because of having to go up and down so much. So to play off of that. I've never been to Wisconsin, but is, does Wisconsin have elevation? Like, is the track elevated because of the uh, landscape of Wisconsin? And the other thing that I was going to say was I thought it was cool that they moved or they put a track in a different state that hadn't, you know, been raced before. I don't know if Wisconsin necessarily. I haven't really traveled extensively in Wisconsin, but I I used to live outside Chicago when I was a kid. And I know that the Midwest is typically flat. There's not a lot of elevation. But I mean, you're talking about I, I don't know exactly what part of Wisconsin it is. So there maybe there was a little bit. I don't know if it was necessary. There, there's not mountain ranges. I think in the it Midwest. was close to Milwaukee. I will tell you that. I think it was close to Milwaukee. So um, I don't know if it, it was, was like just two. Loca- it was like two hours away from Chicago. Like yeah, two. I don't think it's it was significant. It's not like California. You know, you think of the mountain ranges, you think of the elevation changes there. Um, yeah, but I, I just think it was an interesting feature of the track, like Sebastian said. I it kind of reminded me of Coda. That was the first time I had seen something like that was Coda, and then you know a few weeks later, now you see the same type of elevation um, going into the start line, the start finish line. Before we move on, does anybody else have anything interesting they wanted to say about the track? Yes. So when I was watching Erica Stubbs' video, there's like this thing called like 
um I forgot what it is called, but like there's like this whole walkway you can just walk walk by like the track and and like see different parts and it's pretty cool. So honestly, if you're trying to get exercise but while watching a race, um a NASCAR race, honestly go to Road America and check that out cuz it's pretty cool. You can just see the cars um and it's pretty cool. All right, Sebastian, why don't you take us through a quick recap of the race? For the race, William Byron ended up winning stage one. However, he ended up finishing 33rd at the end. What happened to him? Yeah, what really happened? I guess he got spun or something bad happened. Well, clearly something bad happened. But, well, what exactly was that? Did he wreck? Did he have a, a malfunction in his car? Was there a pit problem? Do you I guys don't, don't remember? I don't know. Like no, wait, nobody remembers. You, you wrote that in, but don't know the answer. No, I'm asking you guys. <laughs> I, nobody I remembers. It wasn't that memorable. I think it. I think he kind of got loose or spun around or something. Kind of similar what happened to somebody else, Austin Cendrick. Well, yeah, Austin Cendrick. We we remember that one because he was up there. He was doing he, really good. And I picked him, and then he got win. and then he got, he spun out. Yeah. So, again, that's the thing about these road courses, and it is a four-mile track, and that's the advantage of that is if there's a wreck, they don't necessarily have to go to caution. The disadvantage is if you're in the wreck, you could lose a lot of spots, and you could fall from leading to possibly in last place, barely on the lead lap. And no um, caution. Very quickly. And then no caution, yeah. So, um, yeah. All right. And then who won stage two? Stage two was Tyler Reddick. And he actually led uh, only one time, though, for for five laps. Okay. So, okay. Kyle Larson, one of the hottest drivers in all of NASCAR, seems to have taken the crown as the road course king. Well, no, Chase Elliott. But is that how we ended up with the race? Nope. Who won this race? Chase Elliott. He slapped Kyle Larson in the face and took back that crown. Well, I don't know if it was... Chase Elliott doing the slapping in the face or the bumping. It was more like another Hendrick teammate, uh, which was uh, a bit unexpected. Uh, and, I, and I'll ask about surprises in a moment. Um, for me, that was the biggest surprise was how Larson got bumped by his own teammate and didn't even finish. I think he finished outside uh, the top. Only one Hendrick car got top, top 10. 20. So that was a big surprise. Yeah, the guy, the guy that won, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Johan, why don't you take us through the top five? The top five were, for this race, in fifth, Denny Hamlin, fourth, Kurt Busch, third, Kyle Busch, second, Christopher Bell, and first, Chase Elliott. I have to say, I picked Chase Elliott as my, uh, he was my choice, my pick to win, and I was a little bit worried during the first two stages because he was, it's not like he was up there. So I was like, Oh great. The one time I pick him to win a race course, a road course, he's not going to win. And somehow miraculously he made it to the front as he usually does. So you had a great weekend. Sebastian had the next best. How about your pick? My pick was Christopher bell and he ended up finishing second. And at first he was like having some problems and was outside the top 20. And I was like, Oh, well, there goes my um, role. I guess I'm not getting any points. But he ended up surprising, and Christopher Bell got second and got me two points. Come on, so Bell. So my I'll- role is continuing. <laughs> come on, Bell. How come whenever I pick you, you always crash out or something happens to you? But then when Sebastian picks at you, you get, like, his top five. Come on, Bell. Well, Johan, where'd your guy finish? Who'd you pick? I picked. The road course, ding- the dinger. <laughs> he was up there, started through battling. I thought he could. He, I would get some points out of this. And what happened? He finished 29th. Well, that wasn't very good. Geo, what about you? I don't want to talk about it. Austin Cindric, I had hope. He was doing really good and spun out. Wow. I'm not going to talk about it. Well. He finished 30th. 30th. Oof. 38th. 38. Oof. Uh, and then I, I actually had picked Martin Truex Jr. And he got a serviceable top nine. Uh, I thought this might have been a breakout race for him. But uh, you know what? I'll take it. It was a point for us. So before we wrap up this section of the road course uh, at Road America, 
What was the most surprising result from the race? I kind of alluded to that already. For me, it was Kyle Larson not even finishing in the top 10, um, being bumped by his own teammate. So that might have made it a very awkward uh, Monday back at the shop. So that, for me, was the most surprising result from this race. I would say, for me, it's Austin Sindrick because he showed off that he was a great road course driver, especially at Coda. And it seemed like he was going to do good early, but then he ended up spinning out and then fell back and then just got out of the race. So that was shocking. Yeah, same for me. Austin Sindrick, I actually thought he was doing really good. And it was around mid, like near the end of the race that he spun out, which really was disappointing. And my biggest surprise was Christopher Bell finishing second. I have a big, I, I have a big, like big future for Christopher Bell. I think he's going to have a big, big future. He could be a champion. And whenever I pick him, he does horrible. Okay, not horrible, but he crashes out and gets me no points. And then Sebastian picks him. He finished second. Can you do that for me, Bell? So that wraps up Road America. <laughs> Johan, where did they race this past weekend? Atlanta Motor Speedway for the Quicker State 400 presented by Walmart. And then this race, uh, the Atlanta races are actually like 260 something laps, or 360 something laps. But this one was 260 laps, and this was a 400 mile race, where it's usually a 500 mile race. So, what did you guys think about this race being shortened? Honestly, I like Atlanta as a racetrack. I'm excited for the new thing, but we're not going to talk about that right now. And um, and honestly, I really like Atlanta, but can you make the races a tad bit shorter? The race was pretty good, and I'm happy they made it shorter. I'm actually going to say that I think the length was perfect. I think it was not too short, but not too long. It was just right where it needed to be, and I think it was pretty entertaining overall. It was a fun length and really cool to see Kyle, uh, the Bush Brothers, the Bush brothers, you know, competing up there together and fighting for the win, which was pretty cool. To be honest, I didn't find that much difference between the, like, race lengths. I felt like it was the exact same. Well, probably because there was something in the race. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know what? I, I don't mind shorter races. I You know, the, the 500 miles is, is a long race. And so... I think, you know, Daytona and uh, Talladega, those those 500 mile races are always interesting lap after lap. I think in these um, one and a half mile, two mile um, tracks where sometimes the field can get a little bit spread out, you know, 400 mile probably is a is a is a good length. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about maybe the reconfiguration, changing it up for Atlanta. Um, you know, I also think, and we've talked about this before, the fact that we have the stages that also helps because again, when you're talking these big tracks where there's a lot of room to drive, um, and they're not in packs, you're going to have a separation and you're going to get cars lapping other cars and spread out all across this track. And what the stages do, it kind of really helps to reset everybody and sometimes changes things up quite a bit depending on like pit strategy and all that. So um, I didn't, I don't mind the 500 miles, but the 400 miles I think is a little bit more ideal, but we'll see. We'll see if they, when they do the reconfiguration for this track, how much more fun and interesting it's going to be. I mean, you think about major sports, they're about two, maybe three hours in length is like the ideal. You think about a football game or uh, a, a basketball game, the the problem with baseball sometimes those baseball games can get like four hours long and the thing with nascar is it's a commitment when you're watching these long races so maybe sometimes a shorter race might actually be more entertaining again not all of them because i i don't want them shorting the daytona 500 or talladega daytona 250 yeah so anyway um, yeah, we need a lot of we those races are fun yeah those races are a lot of fun all right so Johan, why don't you take us uh, through the race? What actually happened? So, stage one was won by Kyle Busch. And stage two was won by Kurt Busch. The Busch brothers sweeping the stages. And then 
There was a hole in the track. Yeah, that was that was like kind of weird. And, uh, you know, it just reinforces the fact that they need to do some work on this track. There was literally a chunk of asphalt missing from the track. And the thing is, you can kind of see where they've repaired the track already. There's like lines that are yeah, darker that track than the other track. Was, that track was very patched up. Like when we were watching it, I was like, yeah, this track really needs to be <laughs> like the, redone. The asphalt was just falling apart. And it's funny because this isn't the first time it's happened. But it's just crazy. They literally paused the race for like 30, 45 minutes. Just yeah, trying they went to on a red flag to patch it up. And I'm still I'm still in awe. This is the second time that we've seen a track like being repaired on the spot. And I'm just always in awe how they're able to put whatever they put down and they like it's like quickie dry and it's instantly some, dry. And then, you know, they're good to go racing super so. glue and you're all good. That's crazy. But um. One of the things that I thought was so funny in this race was um, I think we we're getting to the half point mark of the race and Erica Marola was in the lead because I think he was supposed to pit, but he stayed out. And so they're getting to the half mark and there's these little sprinkles on the track. And all of a sudden you see you hear uh, Eric's over the radio saying, "Um, it's raining, it's raining. And so we started I mean, laughing. It was sprinkling, it was sprinkling but it wasn't raining. But you could he was see, saying it was raining a lot. You could see kind of like that in his voice. It was kind of like, hey, it's raining, making it, I guess, a little bigger than it really was. Because like I said, we we're getting to the half point mark. So if it starts raining and they, you know, they bring out the caution the race could possibly be called. And then so he could get a win. I think he was <laughs> trying to grab at any straw that he could to, you know, get that rain uh, caution to come out. But it didn't. Um, he ended up having to go in to pit because he was going to run out of gas. And those sprinkles went away. And fortunately, there was no rain for the rest of the race. Yeah, he, he really rolled the dice on that strategy. Ended up finishing 23rd. Uh, but at one point, you thought, if it if the skies opened up and they had just finished the half, uh, they had just crossed the half point of the race, he would have won. But and didn't work ha- out. He's having a terrible season. All right, let's move on to the most exciting part of the race, which was the final stage. Giovanni, why don't you take us through it? Well, in the last stage, we got to see Kyle Busch and Kurt Busch actually racing one and two. Kyle led for a bit, and then when Kurt was in second place and Kyle came up to Ross Chastain, Ross Chastain decided to block him and take over his line. Now, after this, Kurt Busch was able to advance quite a bit and ended up passing Kyle Busch and held him off for about the rest of the race and ended up winning. And he punched his ticket to the playoffs. So it was a huge win. For Kurt Busch and that team, that Chip Ganassi team, uh, you know, big to get that team in the playoffs their last year as a team. You know, Trackhouse is excited about it because now they're going to be talked every time they talk about Chip Ganassi racing the rest of the year. They're also going to mention Trackhouse. So uh, that's that's obviously really, really good. Uh, Johan, why don't you take us through the top five? Who else uh, did well in this race? So and fifth was. Ryan Blaney, who won the uh, the spring race, then Alex Bone, who finished fourth, Martin Jr. on third, Kyle Busch in second, and Kurt Busch getting the win. So, what was the most frustrating thing that happened in this race? The most frustrating thing was what Ross Chastain did. Oh my word! Oh my word! I've never been so upset with teammates before. Wait, you're upset. If he would have been your teammate? No, I'm upset that he decided to pull the teammate card and help his teammate, even though this is an restrictor plate. I feel like he should only pull that card if, A, you're up there in the top, like, top five battling for the win, and he wasn't. He was a lap down. he's on the lead lap. Yeah, he wasn't. It would be justified if he was on the lead lap, but he was a lap down, and it's pretty upsetting because... NASCAR will wave the blue and yellow flag, which basically, if anyone doesn't know what that means, basically means to move out of the way if you're under a lap and let the lead lap cars pass by. And essentially, NASCAR doesn't do that. But I have no doubt if one of Kyle Busch's teammates were 
going to block Kurt Busch, they would have blown that flag right past him and he would have gotten out of the way. I think they did actually. They were waving that flag. They, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. Was that really a dirty move, though? He was help One, he was helping out his teammate. Two, if you guys actually watch the, the, the recap or the replay on that move, there was enough room that if Kyle Busch was faster, he could have moved Roch Chastain. And you guys all know very well that Kyle Busch has no problem moving people out of the way. Well, I don't I don't think it was a matter of the speed. I, I do agree with you. Like, I agree with you on this. I don't think it was a problem. I think he took the preferred line that that Kyle Bush had that wanted so that he could pass Kurt Bush. And it basically just slowed up Kyle Bush enough that it allowed Kurt Bush to drive away. And Kyle Bush had to drive his car really, really hard to keep up with his brother and possibly pass him. And when he finally got up to the Ross Chastain, it gave him just enough of a buffer. Kurt Busch was able to drive off. And by that point, Kyle Busch had basically he had driven his car as far as it could go. And he just he just didn't have the momentum. And that was it. And then you saw the gap getting bigger and bigger after that point. I can understand the frustration. But one disclaimer for Sebastian, who said that was the most frustrating thing in the world. Sebastian, can you tell our listeners who is your favorite driver? It's Kyle Busch. Okay, thank you. Now, Gio, this is surprising. I'm not going to lie. When you came to the defense of Kyle Busch, Kyle, Kyle Busch, you supporting and, and defending him is a surprise because who I would have defended it driver? if it was Chase Elliott. I don't care. That's a. I don't think it was a good move. Well, well who's your favorite driver? Again? Joey Logano. Joey Logano. So I'm actually surprised that you. Uh, Why do you even not Dad like Chase? If another team did that exact same thing to either Earnhardt or Earnhardt Jr., you would feel the exact same way. You know, Earnhardt would have bumped him out the way. So, you know, they, they, they call him the intimidator. Oh, exactly okay. so. my point. Jimmy Johnson. If Kyle, Kyle, sure, if Kyle sure. had one, one thing. One thing. And, 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 and let me just tell you, actually, you know what would have probably happened? Nobody would have done that. Like Ross Chastain, if, if it would have been Dale Earnhardt Sr. Or Jimmy Johnson. In that 18. And he was chasing Kurt Busch. Ross Chastain would have thought twice, regardless if that was his teammate or not. He would not have pulled in front of Earnhardt because mm-hmm. and that's what that was the that was the magic of Earnhardt. He was the intimidator, and people would have thought twice about doing that. And just disclaimer, Dad, why don't why don't you tell us who your favorite NASCAR driver is or was? It Dale Earnhardt, obviously, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jimmy so and Jimmy I'm Johnson. just saying, Proves I'm just point. saying, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have it would have been it would obviously been different. Okay. Even though I would have wrecked Ross Chastain or try to pick a fight with him afterwards, I think the reason Kyle Busch didn't like take him out is because he doesn't want to be the guy that's bullying kids. Uh, wait, all uh, of a sudden now? Oh yeah, he hey, does that one thing he races Kyle in Lark- when he did Larson. <laughs> He does that in Stop. Xfinity for kids. For you're losing, kids. you're losing all sense of your argument, uh, all credibility with that comment. Look, I don't lose anything when it look, comes to Kyle. Bush. Yeah, I know, I know you don't. <laughs> Poor all right, kids. any other frustrating moments of the race? So for me, it was the fact that our guy Danny Suarez, uh, Daniel Suarez. I keep calling him Danny, but uh, it's it's not like we're buddies. Uh, it's Daniel Suarez, um, but Daniel Suarez. Uh, he had another bad week. Yeah, he got caught up in somebody else's we, mess. We didn't really talk too much about it in last the, the week before, but he had a transmission problem at the road course at Road America and ended up finishing outside the top 35. It was just really bad. And so then you go into Atlanta, you're thinking, okay, there's a lot of momentum. There was an announcement about Trackhouse and his his position at Trackhouse having you know a contract again renewed for the following year. So you're feeling good. He goes to Atlanta. He's, you know, in the back, didn't qualify as well. I, I honestly forget exactly where he qualified. I think it was 27th. So, again, not too great, but he's slowly starting to move forward. And then he gets caught up in someone else's mess, messes up the car, and he's done. I agree. For the whole that, race. that was the most frustrating part. Uh, the most frustrating part of the race for me was to see him get in that wreck because it wasn't him. And, you know, guess who was in that wreck as well or causing it or being partial cause to hit to Sebastian, Daniel Swat is spinning. How would Kyle Bush have said he was involved with it? Kyle Bush would have called him Recky Spinhouse Jr. You're probably wondering, where did we get that from? We didn't actually come up with that. We took that straight out of the mouth of Kyle Bush because he was actually being interviewed by Rutledge Wood, 
who had asked some kids to ask questions about NASCAR to Kyle Busch. And some kid ended up coming up with a question of, who do you think causes the most wrecks? And to which Kyle Busch responded, that's a good question. I think it would have to be Recky Spinhouse Jr. <laughs> Rutledge that thought that was hilarious. Was so, we all did too. We thought that was so hilarious because if you've listened to our podcast, we mentioned that Ricky Stenhouse tends to be in a lot of the wrecks that go on in the races. So when he said that, I was like, oh my goodness, that is so hilarious. It's not just us. Yeah, we're like, <laughs> we're not trying to beat down Ricky Stenhouse and be mean. It's just that that's what so happens. And clearly, Kyle Bush he thinks does the have same. a little bit of a hey, reputation. Don't be too mean to him because he does have some nice hair. <laughs> Yes, you and uh, okay, mullet boy. Yeah, you and the mullet. You love uh, the idea of having a mullet, and I think he inspired you on that. But look, coming to the defense of Ricky Stenhouse this week, it actually wasn't his fault. When you looked at the replay, I uh, forget what the number the was. 51 the fifty-one got, got into him, but turned him sideways. And as he turned sideways, he, he took he out took Swatis. So, so it's half his fault. I, no, it wasn't his fault. He got run into. I mean, Recky wasn't part of the Recky was part of the wreck. So yeah, I, I mean, okay. But at the end of the day, the I guess the frustrating thing again is Swatis got taken out early. But had he maybe been in a different position, and he was back there because qualifying was uh, partially set by what happened the week before, and again he had a bad race. This is why it's so important to to get on to get momentum. And to try to finish as 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 good as you can for as many races as you can because this this kind of stuff can happen. And we're so close to the regular season ending. Yeah, and unfortunately, because of his um his Road America and Atlanta finishing having a bad finish where he finished in the thirties, he's dropped out of the top twenty in the points, which is very disappointing because we were very excited that he had moved up into eighteenth. So that's you know very disheartening. But he has Daytona to win. I feel like he's a good plate racer. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be his only shot. It sound, It looks like it's going to be his only shot to make the playoffs is he actually has to win. Uh, before we wrap up this race, any other frustrating moments that happened? What was kind of frustrating for you guys? Honestly, my frustrating moment was or my race pick getting wrecked. Johan, your frustration is with your race pick. Who was your race pick this week? Daniel Suarez. Even though he had some rough, a rough race in in Road America, I thought Daniel Suarez can rebound. Well, I thought the opposite of what happened to him. He did not do good, and I was very disappointed. But hey, don't blame him. He's a good driver. He just got caught in someone else's mess. Gio, who was your pick? My pick was Denny Hamlin, and he was running a top three or top five consistently for pretty much the entire race until he decided to speed on pit, which, you know, that means a penalty, and he ended up dropping back to 20th and finished 13th. Oh, that's right. He got penalized. I am disappointed, and now I am last. What a difference a year makes between him and Mm -hmm. my pick, Kevin Harvick. They can't finish, you know, as well as they were doing last year. Kevin Harvick finished outside the top 10 again, and I thought for sure this was going to be the week he was going to do well in Atlanta because he's just done so well. But again, another outside the top 10 finish. And speaking of penalties, my pick, which was Kyle Larson, which I was pretty sure he was going to win here, um, also got penalized for speeding on pit row and ended up finishing 18th. So I got nothing. Two weeks in a row, Kyle Kyle Larson, Larson not doing well. Sebastian, who was your pick? My pick was Kyle Busch, and even though he didn't win, he still finished second, which gets me points, which means I was the only one that got points this week. That is true. He is the only one that got points, and Sebastian is coming back, making a comeback. So, yeah, what are our standings as we kind of look forward to uh, next week and we make our race picks? Uh, Karen, you're leading. I'm in second. And on my tail is Sebastian, who a few weeks ago... He was dead in the water and we had given up any hope and he is on fire right now. And you're in third with 19 points and I only have 20. So you're only one point out of second. Uh, and then Johan is in 17th and Gio's bringing up the rear and with 16 points. So it's still pretty close. I mean, you got four points separating uh, the all the top four out of the top five uh, positions. Dad. 
for next week's race, you better watch yourself because as in the words of Roman Pierce, I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sebastian, on that note, where is NASCAR going next week? Next week, we are going to New Hampshire Motor Speedway or Loudoun for the Foxwoods Resort Casino 301. I always wonder why they choose to do 301. I don't know why. It's just funny that way. But yeah, that's going to be the next race. Another short track, one that I've seen before. Is this the one where you get the lobster? Oh, yeah. This is the home of the lobster trophy. Denny Hamlin. Fun fact, Denny Hamlin is afraid of lobsters. I I actually want to see Denny Hamlin win at this track just to watch him run away from the lobster. Oh, he did. He did one time and he was just holding it like this. He was like holding it off to his side and terrified. Yeah, so it's 301 laps. That's where the 301 comes from, but it's only 318 miles. So it's a, it'll be hopefully another interesting uh, semi-short track type race. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be pretty interesting to get up there in the Northeast. It's the Let's Go Racing Family Picks of the Week. All right. As we said, we are going to New Hampshire Motor Speedway for the Foxwoods Resort Casino 301. Karen, you are leading, so you get to pick first. Who do you have winning this weekend in New Hampshire? Okay. So he needs to get a win, and I think he's going to do it in New Hampshire. I'm hoping he's going to do it. I want to see him run away from that lobster. I'm going with the number 11 of (laughs) Denny Hamlin. (laughs) Well, you know what? I'm going to pick Brad Keselowski in the two because I saw his paint scheme for this weekend and it looks pretty hot. So I'm going with Brad. That's an interesting pick. I thought you would go with another Penske that I was thinking of going with. Let's see if that other Penske driver gets chosen. All right, Sebastian, you're in third place. Who are you going to pick? I'm going to be staying in the Ford family, but I'm going to be going over to Stuart Haas. They haven't been doing well, but I think that they could have a chance. Because this driver has won at New Hampshire three times. So I'm going with Kevin Harvick. Johan, who do you have winning this week in New Hampshire? So I really don't like him. As much as I don't want to do it, Dad, you're going to like this pick. I don't know why I think Austin Dillon, Austin Dillon's going to win. Oh, the number three in victory lane. You have failed me, Johan. <laughs> All right, Gio, who do you have? Winning in New Hampshire this Sunday. So, two Penske's, one or the other. I would go with Joey, but I think I'm going to go with Blaney this week. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Blaney over Logano. I mean, I thought you only had two. You always were alternating. So, wow. Ryan Blaney, this is the first time I you picked him over Joey. So, Joey's not doing good. I am so shocked. Season. that It was between Hamlin and Joey for me but I just really want to see him run away from that lobster. All right. Those are our picks for this weekend at New Hampshire. All right, for our last segment of the show, Racing Through Life, we're actually going to talk about NASCAR news. There was actually quite a bit of news in the last couple of weeks. Uh, first off, uh, 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 I feel like it's been about two weeks when this was announced, but it was huge news when it dropped. We were all shocked. I think the NASCAR community was shocked when it was announced that Trackhouse Racing would be expanding by purchasing Ganassi Racing, that he was going to buy the entire operation for the number one and the 42 starting next year and Ganassi is going to be out of NASCAR as and going forward and uh it was also announced Trackhouse was going to have two teams and at the same time they announced that Suarez would be back in the 99 so that means there is one seat for that second car at Trackhouse and so what I want to talk about who do we think should get that number two seat first of all I thought that was an incredibly shocking news uh so we had all like sat around to watch the uh the news that was probably the last thing that i would have expected like we were all just sitting there with our like jaws just dropped when they talked about the purchase um which 
was very interesting. And I think it's kind of exciting and really cool for a track house to be doing that. So here's my thing. I personally think that they should keep um, Kurt Busch and not because he won last week. I thought about that when it, when the announcement first came out. I thought about the two drivers of Ganassi and I think that they should go with Kurt Busch. He's probably still has a few more years, you know, in him. Uh, he's the veteran driver. I think he can bring a lot of expertise to the to track house as well as, you know, potential wins. And that would give him time to also by the time that Kurt um, retires, they can bring in one of the younger drivers. Yeah, I think that out of the two Chip Ganassi cars, Kurt Busch probably should get that spot. Though I do want to throw in an, a curveball pick because who knows, Trackhouse might not go with one of the Chip Ganassi guys. So if they don't, I would think Cosgrala could be a potential choice. Cosgrala. Really? Yeah, over two guys that have full time NASCAR Cup Series experience. Well, from and I, I like Cos because we 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 you know we followed him a little bit. He has done well the limited time. I think he's only done two or three he's races. Done two or three races and both finished top. 15. He's done really well, so I think he's got a great and a bright future in NASCAR. But you've got two guys that already have full time experience. Tell us why Cos should get that seat. Well, for one. Kurt Busch might not even be an option because there's also been some potential talks that 2311 might open a second ride and Kurt Busch might take that spot. And for Ross Chastain, I don't know. It, he might get that spot if Kurt Busch, but I feel like his he should be with a different team. For me, with Trackhouse, why Koss should get that is because that what they... What the team could do for Kaz Grala is what they did for Daniel Suarez. Daniel Suarez, I think, has done way better this season than what any, any other season. Yeah, combined. any other season, even when he was with Joe Gibbs. So I think when you take someone like Kaz Grala, who has proven, even though he's only raced like five to ten times, if he gets a full-time car and is able to drive all the time, I think he could get some good finishes. Johan, what do you think? Who do you think should get that seat? Do you think it's a wild card like Cosgrala, or do you think it's one of the guys that are in the other cars right now? Honestly, this might be a bit of a wild card. I don't know. No, Jimmy Johnson's not coming out of retirement. No, not Jimmy Johnson. He's working for Carvana now. Honestly, why do I feel like a good road racer could be getting in that seat? Because Justin Mark is a good road racer. Why don't you get a good road racer like... A.J. Allmendinger, the dinger. You think the dinger might get that spot? Yep. He won at Watkins Glen in 2014. I mean, it's it's possible. Uh, Giovanni, who do you think? I think, honestly, it's going to be Kurt Busch to get it. I think if they're really wanting to go with a driver, they should go with Kurt Busch, even though he's a bit older and he's one of the more like seasoned drivers. He's still competitive for like how long he's been in the series. He's been racing NASCAR for a while in fact, he's driven over seven different numbers uh, as like cars. And to see that, I mean, that can show that, you know, he has experience. He knows what he's doing in this series. And if they were to pick him, I think he would still be competitive. And he could also help teach Daniel Suarez to do well and could also coach him in ways to do better and get better finishes. And if they go with Ross Chastain, I think it would be a bit of a different pick uh, choice. And I think it wouldn't be as beneficial because he's not as good and developed as Kurt Busch. Yeah, I think it's he's just not as polished. I, you know what? I agree with you. I agree with you and your mom. I think, honestly, when we talked about it the first few weeks, I actually was thinking Ross Chastain might have been the better pick because he was younger, you know, and probably hungrier. And, you know, you've got these two young drivers. You can grow the organization and and do really, really well. But at the end of the day, if you have a chance, and again, this is if Kurt Busch is on the table. He maybe, you know, like Sebastian said, maybe he's got plans somewhere else. But if you have an opportunity to sign a future Hall of Famer, I don't care what you say, but if you win a, a NASCAR Cup Series championship, which Kurt Busch did in 2004, you're going to the Hall of Fame. And he's won uh, his fair share. Now, again, he's he hasn't won as much as his brother, but he's won his fair share. He's, he's a top driver. 
I mean, think about it. The week before Road America, he finishes four or five. He's in the top five. The very next week, he goes to Atlanta and he wins the race. And he's actually been doing really, really well. Uh, I think Kurt Busch could do could do really, really well for Trackhouse. I agree with you both on the on the assessment that he could help Danny Suarez. I think um, Daniel Suarez could be a great teammate to him. It'll be good for him to teach him some 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 ways uh, to improve and and really lift the organization as a whole. Uh, and I think that you know he'd be the he'd be the lead dog in that on that team. Even though Daniel Suarez you know started out with Trackhouse, I mean at the end of the day he's not a for, he's not a cha- he's a champion of the uh, Xfinity series. Uh, but at the end of the day, Kurt Busch has won the cup, and so that's the goal. And I think what better way to have someone like that? And the thing I I love about NASCAR. NASCAR, it, when you think about sports, is a great equalizer because I and I do believe, and I've been saying this for a while, it is only a matter of time before a woman gets in one of those cars and wins and 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 competes for championships. I, I believe it's come, and it, because I think when you get in that car, it's a great equalizer. It's a, it's a great skill sport, and so age is another one. Dale Earnhardt, when he died, was forty nine. Okay. What other sport besides the robot known as Tom Brady? We'll take him off the table. <laughs> what robot. other sport do you have professional athletes competing and being as successful into their 40s? Again, take the robot Tom Brady off the table. It doesn't happen, Michael right? Jordan? You get in your Yeah, but even even in his 40s, he played with the Wizards. He wasn't the same Michael Jordan. He was winning championships in his late 30s. When he got to his 40s, he, he just wasn't the but same player. Did he play like an old grandpa? I didn't play like an old grandpa. He's still Michael course. Jordan. But still. And and my point is, Dale Earnhardt, when he died, the year before, people forget this, he finished second in points and was and had, had won races that last year before he died in 2001. And he was 49. He was going to be 50 that year. And so here's a guy who was, and again, he's, in my opinion, the best to ever to ever drive. But the point is, you know, uh, Kurt Busch is in his early 40s. He's still got plenty of time to drive. And if he's still got the fire to do it, I th- I could see him doing it for a while, at least another three or four or five years. And if he had the opportunity to do that and to really maybe bring up another team like a track house, I think he's the guy to sign if you can sign him. And, you know, sponsors, um, you know, he he's had his up and downs throughout his career. I think he's definitely level headed now. I think he's much more mature. I remember him getting in in trouble, you know, with with the way that he spoke to media and the way he was. Uh, But he's definitely matured a lot. And I think he's quite funny. Uh, You know, I look we uh, right before the start of the podcast tonight, I showed you guys the video that he posted on Twitter about the race that he just won. And it was a, a really hilarious clip from Talladega Nights talking about shake and bake. And shake and bake. At, and what what's the tagline? Slingshot engage. engage. That's also how we got the name for That's this episode. That's going to be the name of this episode. Slingshot engage. Because it was pretty cool. And he even said it as he was taking his victory lap. So I actually like his sense of humor. And I hope he does well. So we'll, yeah. I, I'd be excited to see if they could sign him. Uh, for track house speaking of his sense of humor actually before the race he did a funny little quick video saying and i quote hey kyle i got your m&ms here pretty good but the only thing you'll be eating today is my dust and and amazingly it was his brother that he beat for the win so that was actually pretty cool and we did see that uh nasty racing actually shared that on their twitter um after the race would have been pretty bad had he not won. yeah well he backed it up All right, so then the second piece of big news that we wanted to talk about is this Atlanta track reconfiguration. Uh, Johan, what does that mean? So, basically, Atlanta used to be a track where, like, it's spread out racing. But NASCAR is going to reconfigure it to make it uh, tinier. Well, a little bit more narrow, right? Like, narrow, that's what I meant. And then, like, the bankings are going to be higher. How many degrees? 28 degrees. And that's pretty close to uh, Daytona, Daytona and Talladega. I think Daytona's what, 33 degrees? Yep. So they're basically going to make it a super speedway. 
And so we're going to have possibly a third super speedway. I don't know if they said exactly if they're going to have restrictor plate uh, on. It's going to be a considered. Sorry, it's not restrictor plate that. But you know what I'm saying? Pack racing. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but I will say this. It was definitely controversial because a lot of the drivers came out and were not happy, felt like they weren't consulted. Uh, NASCAR came out and said, well, yeah, they were. And but a lot of drivers were like, no, we don't we don't like this. At the end of the day, why are they doing it? They're trying to make the race a little bit more interesting, something that people are going to want to come see. I'll tell you that first race is definitely going to be a packed house because everybody's going to be curious. Then from that point forward, it's going to be all about what type of racing. Is it competitive? Is there a lot of passing? And it just comes down to change can be difficult, right? Yeah, I mean, we're big Disney fans. And literally anytime Disney makes an announcement for a new ride or change, whether it's the Tower of Terror becoming Guardians of the Galaxy, Hollywood Studios going through the Star Wars Toy Story renovations, or the recent Jungle Cruise or Splash Mountain announcements so yeah change can be very difficult for a lot of people for me i think it's pretty cool i am a fan of the atlanta speedway i think it's pretty cool i like the layout with the front you know not being like a complete travel but actually like a bit of a straight line and i like atlanta i think it's a pretty cool track but the length of the races are just kind of long and that's why it's not one of my favorite tracks but i'm excited to see the change of the track what johan has shown me is uh, pretty cool and I hope that's what they go with if not it'll be all right but I just hope that Atlanta kind of keeps its style and it's fun and unique track I think it's very innovative that NASCAR is trying to change things up because for so long it's been these NASCAR is identified as like you know this just oval racing and like even this year they have changed up the season by adding so many different tracks I mean we had Bristol Dirt which was amazing I hope that's something that stays on like all the time then we've had how many like i think there's like seven road courses this year which is really cool to see that change up from your oval to you know the road courses and then i believe next year is i think it's gonna still be happening but um fontana is gonna be changed from the what is it a mile and a half to basically the baby of bristol and martinsville so that's gonna be really cool how they're taking these tracks that are very similar to other tracks because we have a lot of the same like mile and a half kind of tracks and changing them into, you know, something different to spice it up and create variety to the sport, which is really cool and interesting. It's going to bring more fans. At the end of the day, you want to have packed race tracks. You want people watching the races. Uh, I, I actually think another thing that they should do, and again, there'll probably be old school people who say, nah, we should never do it. They announced that IndyCar, or no, is it F1? I think it's F1. Is going to be going to Miami or Tampa? Nashville. 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 No, no, no. Indy is going to Nashville this year. But yeah. And then in the future, I think it's Miami that's going to have F1. The point is they're going to do the road course in the city. The Nashville one is is coming up this year. I would love to see NASCAR Cup Series cars driving around some city imagine chicago or vegas the big apple the the, a big apple that would be crazy i don't know if they could do it there but yes i think that would be so exciting well actually now that you say that there is a track that me and johan absolutely love on one of the old nascar games nascar 06 total team control uh some of you may have heard of it it's a really old nascar game Anyway, there's a fantasy track that's called New York. And essentially what it is, it's a road course of you driving through New York, going over the bridge and different parts of it. And it's a really, really cool track. And I honestly think it would be so cool to actually see things like this happen, literally driving through the city. It, I think it would just be absolutely amazing and a really cool experience. That's why I absolutely love the Monaco Grand Prix. There are um, talks, actually for a potential street race in a city in the future, and Chicago might be the one they do. Well, if they do it, I think it would be exciting. But it goes back to what we're talking about. There are going to be people that are probably going to complain about it. I mean, we're talking NASCAR fans who got upset because of car numbers being positioned differently in the car. And, uh, you know, instead of in the middle, they were moving them backwards, and okay, they were trying different things. Okay, looking at you, Johan. 
I, yeah, I, I am one at, of those people. You I know like what? Them in, the, in the middle. I'm not going to lie. I don't really like change. I've, I've learned this as I've gotten older. I used to be in denial that I could deal with change. You know what? Change sometimes can be difficult even for me. But I, when I'm watching the sport, though, I like this. I, I think it's like you said, Karen. I think it, it changes it up, makes it interesting. Every week I feel like this season it's been a new type of experience. Even going back to last year when they did the Pocono Double, like that was kind of cool. Like when are they ever going to do two Cup Series races on back-to-back days? You basically took a 1,000 miles of racing, condensed it down to 600, 700 miles, split it over two days. That's pretty cool, you know, and and it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, you know, the Indianapolis race, the Brickyard, it's not going to be the traditional Brickyard. It's going to be another road course, you know, Daytona with the road course that they had last year and, and this year. So I I do. I, th- I think it's pretty cool when they change it up. Not everybody likes change. And I guess that's the lesson is sometimes you just got to roll with it. And even if you're uncomfortable with change in life, sometimes it could be a good thing, but you got to give it a chance. Like, let's see. Let's see what happens with this track. Now, at the end of the day. Uh, I will say if if NASCAR drivers and the and the top tier drivers are feeling like their voices are not heard, that's obviously not a good thing. You want your your athletes to feel like they have a stake in what's being done for the for the sport as a whole. And so I think NASCAR obviously needs to figure that out and and at least get PR to kind of handle that and smooth that out because you don't want your drivers making you feel like it's us against them. Uh, I think that's one of the special things about NASCAR. They, you know, talk about NASCAR family to steal a line from Dom Toretto. It's all about family. Uh, I think they got to they got to fix some things and uh, make sure everybody feels like their voice is heard. Uh, But I'm I'm personally I'm excited about the change in Atlanta. I'm excited about the perspective change. I think it's going to be two years actually for California. I think they're going to do one more regular race in Fontana and then the next because it was supposed to happen this year with COVID and everything, it got moved. But in any way, I'm excited for that. I, I agree with you. I thought the Bristol dirt race was awesome. I, You know what? I've actually enjoyed seeing the all-star race in different tracks. I actually think that's kind of cool. It reminds me of other sports like baseball and basketball. They always change up the place. And I think doing the different tracks, imagine, I mean, our home track, Daytona hosting the all-star. I mean, that would be awesome and fantastic you oh, know yeah. so i think that'd be pretty cool so what about a road course or or doing a road course for the all-star or are you just saying doing another road course or like what if they do a road course for the all-star that would actually be kind of cool or a street race or a street race yeah so or a dirt race i think it makes it interesting makes you want to tune in at the end of the day it's a diversion it's entertainment uh and uh, i'm excited for it and they're the best at the world at what they do uh so in any event all right I think that's good for this week. We'll talk to you next week. Giovanni, why don't you take us out? That's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening on in. Consider subscribing, following all of our socials, and checking out our podcast episodes. Let's go some family out. <laughs>